Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is a special show, one of our Keeneland shows, covering the racing for Wednesday, October 19th. Brought to you by Keeneland Select. Great deposit bonuses there for new customers. If you want to check that out over at KeenelandSelect.com, you can get all of the details. We're here to talk about the last five races on this Wednesday card. And I bring in a man that hosted several of these shows last week. He's also making the morning lines over at Keeneland. You can read his analysis of various things, but mainly the Naira circuit over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. I'm speaking, of course, of Nick Tamaro. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great, my friend. Good to be with you. Glad to have you back in the U.S. of A. It is good to be back. You know, I I, I had so much fun um, over there, <laughs> at least until I lost my voice. I had so much fun in England, but really looking forward to getting to Keeneland next week. I will make my, uh, my debut for the racing one week from this card that we're talking about. We're going to have shows or segments for every day of Keeneland in the moneypodcast.com, a great place to go and get all the info you need for Keeneland. We're going to start this show talking about the fourth race on the card. This is a race I struggled with. It was one of those where the first blush through, there was a horse that I said, I really don't want to pick this horse. And then you, you I kept looking and I ended up coming back. <laughs> So we'll see where you ended up going, Nick. We've got these $20,000 claimers going six furlongs on the dirt. How do you want to light this candle? Well, I'm sure you're talking about Zap Motion, who um, is, you know, kind of not really the most tolerable horse as the favorite, but in for a tag for the first time. Jonathan Thomas is doing this a couple of times during uh, these upcoming cards this week. He's got another... Another Philly who's taken a big drop off a debut win. And, you know, Keeneland, of course, it's it's a lot like Saratoga, right? You want to be competitive. You want to win races. And a lot of times, a lot of connections will be much more willing to take a one other than or a you know horse that's never raced for a tag before and put them in at a relatively low level, this being a $20,000 claimer. So, you know, I thought that motion looked pretty, pretty tough uh, i guess i don't i don't think he looks particularly interesting from a wagering perspective but i think as far as the pick five goes you kind of have to use him i thought oro de moro moro was a little interesting he's going to be i think a fair price he comes out of his uh last race at churchill against 52 life claimers with a bullet workout perhaps ready to go there and uh, bentley combs claimed might as well run last time out out of a, a a race that came up fast at Saratoga, a two life back on the 1st of September. It's not really held up figure wise, but I still think that this horse ran fast enough to be given some consideration there. So those are kind of the places that I'd be willing to go. I like your case on, uh, on the four Oro de Moro Moro, because you go back to that win at Ellis and this was horse at least attended a, a fast pace and did the business. And then feels like you can forgive the effort last day against, uh, you know, claiming level-wise much better, those 50s, as opposed to today's 20s. I'm going to throw that one in on the backup line, but Zap Motion, I just couldn't get away from. I thought would get a good trip, has shown the ability to pass, and it, it's a giveaway, but, you know, on the numbers, the horse just looks too tough to ignore. Nine and four, um, or nine, four, and six for you, and I'm going to ape those numbers, essentially, in my combinations because zap motion certainly not a horse. I feel like singling um, that you'd have to be uh, very brave or, or very um, incautious. If that's a word to, to, to do that, let's move to the second leg of this sequence race. Number five, we move to the allowance ranks, Phillies and mares three and up. We're going five and a half on the turf in this one. 
And I I am find my, thinking myself very attracted to the forerunner in here. Only kidding. This horse coming here off a break. Brendan Walsh, extremely cold at this meet. I think something like 0 for 17 to this point. But I'm hoping that uh, that's just an anomaly. I just really like only kidding because this horse has really nice positional speed for a closer. I just don't think it's going to be too far back from the deserving favorite, number eight, American Starlet, who I'll use as well. But I, but I think only kidding could be suited by this test if ready from off the break. Um, and again, just a horse that has good positional speed and has done a nice job in the sharper, shorter turf sprints, being able to stick close enough and have something left at the end. So four and eight for me in race number five. How do you see this one, Nick? Yeah, you know, Brendan Walsh's numbers have just gotten so bad, and, and he's, he's seemingly kind of padding his stats at Ellis and, and Indiana Grand, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of kept a lot of us from noticing just how slow things have gotten in 2022 for him. I do think only kidding under most circumstances is a horse that you would you probably want to use Um I do think he'll get the right kind of setup as well. And uh, it figures that the race will, will be run at a relatively decent early clip. You know, I've, I've struggled in making the line. Some people would probably say period, but um, I, I would say in, in getting a gauge to, yeah, I was actually trying to pull up the number. Brendan Walsh is 13 for 62 at Horseshoe Indianapolis and Ellis Park in the last five months. And he is 18 for 173 everywhere else. That's not what we're used to from him. No, he's a, and he's a high percentage guy, right? And this is not me dumping on him. I think he's an outstanding trainer. So I, I'd like to see him get out of the doldrums a little bit. But um, I made American Starlet the favorite. She looks like the main speed on paper. I noticed somebody say the other day on social media that I was marking all the Wesley Ward horses down. Um, guess what? It's because they all get bet. Right, right. And there's no no way around that. I did think the Quaria Comet one door to the inside is a little interesting, probably gets the right setup as well. The horse that I couldn't quite figure out what to do with was Get Serious on the rail, who ran a really good race off the layoff for uh, for prior trainer Arno Delacour. That was in the nightcap on Tampa Bay Derby Day, and then came back to underperform and is now in the care of Wayne Mackey, gets an inside post sprinting on the turf, which is always difficult. So I wasn't sure exactly the direction to go. My concern about Korea Comet as well, and I wanted to see if you had any insight on it, I can't really get a read on the Kentucky Downs horses. You know, I, I, I feel like there are a lot of circumstances where I think they're going to run a lot better than they do. And, and I'm, I'm underwhelmed, but I, I wonder if there's an element to the racing there that what happens at Kentucky Downs truly stays at Kentucky Downs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a theory that Matt Vagvolgi put forth on our Keeneland preview show, where he said, be, wary of the fact that these horses all seem to catch money coming out of these high purse races and statistically on the numbers they don't perform very well and now some of that is tricky because it's a weird stat where when you run a Kentucky Downs shipper stat there's like four in every race practically it seems in, in some of these good turf races so I do think that's some of the reason why the the ROI numbers in particularly aren't good on them What I've tried to do with it is just look on a horse per horse basis. And there are angles and we'll get we'll get to one of them. And maybe you could argue that American Starlet is one of them where I like the Kentucky Downs if it can like darken form a little bit for a horse whose weapon is truly speed. Because even in the sprints there, 
the it, it's more about stamina and being able to handle all the unique challenges that Kentucky Downs throws as a horse, where it seems to me like American Starlet just wants us to go out there and blitz, which is something that should work better around the sharp five and a half at, at Keeneland. But it's a the, the Kentucky Downs shipper angle. It's something I'm paying attention to. I definitely want to catch up with Matt on a show before the Keeneland meet is over and see if I know he's been looking at those numbers every day. Maybe he can find more of a pattern than I've been able to, but you know, I've just been trying to look at it horse horse by horse, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. I think there's also an element to Kentucky downs that it's a bit more of a moving target than it's been before because the racing is getting so much better and it's so much deeper and more competitive. So I think there's a lot of stuff that happened in the past at Kentucky downs that may not occur with the same regularity moving forward. So We'll have to see, but yeah, that that was a. I thought that was a horse that was was relatively interesting. I, I bet a Paula Lobo horse the other day in the stake race, and uh, she ran very poorly. Kara Vindorata. I thought she was going to run a lot better off her Kentucky Downs race, and he's a guy who had some success at Kentucky Downs. So I wasn't sure, you know, if there might be some kind of of angle there, or if it was just mainly coincidence. I'm I'm still thinking it's more the latter, but uh, I'd love to see somebody really dig into the numbers. Yeah, Vag Volgi's the man for that. So the four runners you mentioned in here, Nick, how would you grade them into A's and B's? I, I would loan A American Starlet. I think she's supposed to wire this field. Um, I, I am notoriously the worst Wesley Ward handicapper in the world, though. <laughs> no, I, he when when I zig, he zags with regularity. But uh, I still think she's the likeliest winner on paper. And I think when push comes to shove, a lot of these horses are just a little bit lesser. So I, I would loan A American Starlet. Use the other three. Use one, four, and seven on the backup line. Let's move to race number six. We've got two-year-old maidens going a mile and a 16th on the dirt. Some real classic Keeneland Fall stuff here with this big, full, uh, oversubscribed field. Nick, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, so I got a little bullish here, and I made Cyclone Mischief 9-5 to five on the morning line. I'm, I'm a little, little tired of making horses soft morning line favorites, and then they get bet. Pretty significantly. This is a horse who went off three to one in a debut at race that completely fell apart. Not didn't completely fall apart. The pace was was difficult. And and uh, I thought Cyclone Mischief ran extremely well. Presider was second in that race, beat him by about a half a length. Um, but I think Cyclone Mischief is now in a position where he is absolutely positively the lone speed. And uh, I think he's going to be very, very tough to catch. So looks as if the workouts have continued to be pretty solid. They obviously were leading into that debut. That's part of the reason why he went off three to one in an 11 horse field. There were a number of, of horses from good barns that had gotten some money in the past and really didn't do any running. And, you know, the two that I, that I would bring up there, of course, are Wadsworth and King Doro. King Doro as, as a Todd Pletcher horse that, um, Todd Pletcher was one for 23 at Churchill, and he, I think, I believe already has six wins, six or seven wins at uh, Keeneland. I printed these PPs before Saturday and Sunday's racing, so I don't know the exact number, but I do think King Dora will run better. There was obviously something that prompted the public to give him the kind of support that he got on debut. Um, he just didn't do very much running, right? That's that's the big concern. Seeking Unity is a firster from the Kenny McPeak barn. His two-year-olds tend to get a pretty decent amount of money as well. A couple of bullet workouts there. There's three winners on the damp side, including Turf Stakes place runner Carpe Fortuna. It's not a great pedigree by any means, but he generally is one of the guys you can trust in some of these long-winded two-turn races. All that said, I'm going to loan a Cyclone Mischief. I'm going to back up with Presider and Wrecker Point and King Doro and Seeking Unity, and I'm going to try and hit this thing a few times. I like it. So 7, 3, 8, and 11. Were those the backup numbers? Did I get that right? You got it. Yep. I'm with you on Cyclone Mischief. Ran so well on debut when I did the little KTVF segment a few weeks ago and we had Dale Romans on, spoke 
in fairly glowing terms about this one. That may be coloring me a little bit here, but the horse does definitely appear to have worked forwardly since, and I thought would be able to turn the tables on Presider in this spot. And then the backup that I wanted was one that you mentioned as well, the three seeking unity. You said not the, not a brilliant pedigree, but a, but a precocious pedigree on both sides. I mean, Unified's very good early. Two of those three uh, siblings one at two, which I like to see. And just as you noted, McPeak just generally very good with the two-year-olds. I'll take another look at some of the others you mentioned, but mainly I wanted the six as an A and the three as a B in number six. Let's talk about race number seven, an allowance race once again. Seven go postward. We talked about how cold uh, Brendan Walsh is. Is he so cold that uh, prevalence with all these big figures can get beat? Well, I'm not saying it necessarily has to do with him being cold, but he's not going to be my top pick. I thought that the number two was worth talking about in here. Um, this is a horse, a four-year-old, called Hear Me Song. And what I really like about Hear Me Song is this is a horse that appears to be headed the right way in a race where a lot of the seeming main contenders, I'm not sure how they're heading, or I think they might be headed the wrong way. So Hear Me Song, the other angle here was just watching the tape of the last race, which I think was just better than the figure indicated. This horse was in a tricky position throughout, still found a way to win. It didn't look like great form, but sometimes when you have a race like that that doesn't look like great form, and one horse clearly had the hardest trip, I'll lean with that one. I was going to play Hear Me Song on top, the two-runner, and I am not going to let prevalence beat me. Who knows? Maybe Brandon Walsh will be officially heating up by this time. Long layoff, but just based on the best races, I'm not, I don't want to get beat by this horse. Maybe someone would say you should take this horse on more aggressively than I plan to. That won't be my approach. Nick, what do you think of prevalence? Are you with or against? Well, you know, his, obviously his form from earlier this year would make him very, very tough to beat the mile when at Gulfstream and the, the Commonwealth score both enough to get him a start in the Churchill Downs behind Jackie's warrior. He draws very favorably on the outside. I would imagine he's training forwardly. I've not looked at the the Keeneland clocker notes, which are available on Keeneland.com, but he's going to be tough to beat. I, I just, like you, I find him a little bit tough to trust. Of the horses coming out of good performances at Churchill, where they made up some ground, I slightly preferred South Bend uh, to hear me hear my song. The difference to me was that the field kind of packed up in that seventh race on September 15th that hear my song won. And, uh, and I think he, I think he kind of got into the right place at the right time. It was also a, not significantly, but it was a faster race than he had run before. And I wonder if he's quite at that level. And if you're going to get a little bit of the worst of it odds wise with him having been eight to one last time out. So I'm going to use South bend. Um, I'm going to use Hollis as well. I think Hollis might be speed of the speed. And, and if he's ridden aggressively by Gerardo Corrales, which is kind of his game, I think that he might be able to take advantage of that. Chatelot's not quick enough, and I can't imagine Chantel is going to go on a suicide mission with Doc Amster. So the problem with Hollis is that it's hard to believe he's going to last six and a half furlongs, right? He's going to have to raid. He's a horse also, like many John Ortiz trainees, that's probably a little bit better at Oaklawn. I'll use him more as a backup, um, but I'm going to use the one and seven and backup with the, uh, the two, three, four, and six. All right. So, yeah, definitely trying to spread it around a little bit there. It's a tricky little race, um, to be sure. But the uh, the one and the seven, those were the top. That was the top line for you. Yes. Yes, exactly. Excellent. All right. One more race to talk about. It's our nightcap race. Number eight. We return to the allowance ranks three and up fillies and mares five and a half on the turf. Nick, how are we going to get paid? You know, this was a two-horse number for me. I thought the one and the nine were the only horses you really needed to hear. The Shannon and opening buzz. Jonathan Wong brings an opening buzz off a pretty handy win at the uh, at Del Mar on the turf. This is a horse who, in two starts on turf and synthetics, has just looked very, very good. Only poor effort came in a 
in a dirt race at Del Mar, which I really don't think should be held against her too badly. She stumbled horribly at the start and got involved in a white hot pace. So there's an argument to be made that she could get another try on the on the dirt in the future. The only other horse that I thought merited consideration besides the one and nine was the 11, but I'm going to focus on the one and nine and uh, back up with the 11. Shannon feels like the the right alternative to the uh, the Jonathan Wong trainee opening buzz if you need one. If I made you pick uh, an order, would it be nine one or one nine? Nine one. And I'll just be the, the same two numbers, but opposite order. I, I think that there's enough speed to keep opening buzz honest where you, you know, people are tired of me droning on about how much I like uh, turf form shipping West. And of course the corollary be a little bit skeptical of turf form shipping East. Now there's plenty of examples to the contrary of that, but I think in general, when you look at the numbers in aggregate in ROI terms, it is very hard for these West coast horses to provide any sort of value in aggregate. Look, I'm going to use um, opening buzz for all the reasons you say, but I think there's enough speed to set this up for Shannon who has very good finish for a sprinter and I just think it's going to get the right kind of setup from the right kind of post. So the one is a lone A and the B, uh, the lone B as a nine for me. For Nick, nine and one on the top line, 11 as a backup. And there you have it. That's the that's this show done and dusted, Nick. I hope to get a chance. I think you're, you're going to be probably off the hook for Keeneland shows the rest of the week. But uh, folks can read you over there at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. And we're excited to have you signed up to do a bunch of extra Breeders' Cup stuff for us this year, including the grid. You up for it? You feeling excited about Breeders' Cup this far out? Certainly looking forward to it. Ready to roll for sure. Excellent. To get Nick's extra content and everything extra that we're doing in the moneypodcast.com slash plus tremendous value people. Uh, we we've had great, we've been fortunate to have great success the last several years, but even, you know, that notwithstanding, we've had a, a, a lot of compliments about the quality of the work and the extra stuff. And of course, still all the stuff that was always free is free and you get a load of content over there in the moneypodcast.com plus some YouTube exclusive stuff filmed a bunch of videos today. If you want to check out our YouTube channel, Nick, thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you soon. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'll thank our friends at Keeneland. We'll thank Nick one more time. But most of all, we want to thank all of you for listening and making these shows so much fun to do. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.